good to see you guys this morning. Let's open those to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Again, I've been here for three weeks, and one of the first things that I had questions about was, what is music like? And the reason for that is, I cannot sing. And if there is an expectation for me to sing, I'm probably not your guy. And when I say I cannot sing, I don't mean in the way that people are trying to uh, you know, downplay their actual abilities. It sounds like a dying animal, so uh, I try to make sure that microphones are off during my singing. There have been moments when they were on and someone said, who is that tone-deaf man in the room? So I always make sure that I walk up to our musicians after service or, or even between service and let them know how grateful I am for them. And I do love our musicians here. Thankful for them. Uh, there was... One uh, time in particular in my childhood when I was 17 years old and I had a music pastor at my church who had decided that he believed that he could make me into a singer. Just so that I know that I'm not the only one who had this happen to them. Could you raise your hand if that happened to you? They said, I can make this person sing songs well. So he puts me on stage in front of a group of people. And I began to sing a song after I'd practiced for a, about a month with a sweet little lady named June who went to our church who was a piano player. And I think that she knew how bad it was because she was always just trying to hit notes and saying, can you make it sound like that? And I would say no. And she just would let me keep going. So uh, I stand in front of a group of people and when I begin to sing there comes a moment where I'm trying to follow the sheet music because it was in front of me and all that I knew was when it goes up you go up. When it goes down you go down. And that's all that I understood. I didn't know why there were circles that were filled in and some circles that weren't. Just go up when it goes up, down when it goes down. That's what I wanted to do. And there comes a moment where it gets tricky and I just stop. And I said in front of a group of people, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And as it comes to a conclusion, I, I, I said to them, after I tried to make this really sweet little run, like I were at a karaoke place, thank you for putting up with that. Now, uh, with that, you learn to read music and you realize that sometimes you are singing with a group of people. And if you're singing with a group of people, there is typically a person in the room who is the melody person. If you are familiar with music, you know that the melody is what drives the song. It's what sends the song where it needs to go. It's the driving force of all that you sing. But there are other people who sing. They are the harmonizers. And what they do alongside of that melody is they work in line with it. They work in rhythm with it. However, if you were to hear the harmony out of place, it would not seem to make sense. When we get to the story of Jesus and the resurrection, and we get to where we are in Matthew chapter 5, what we've come to the realization of is that Jesus is saying that for the entirety of the Bible, all of it, every single page of it, everything that you've read in the Old Testament, everything that you're going to read in the New Testament, I'm the melody for that. I'm the melody. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. 
but to fulfill them. Some people even read this, I have come to make them complete. Or, I have these things can make sense. So that you can make sense of them. I have come to make everything complete. So Jesus is saying, as he sets himself in motion here, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where I'm going, where I'm taking you is a place where you would see everything you've ever read in the Old Testament. It finds its completion and its wholeness in me. I'm the driving force. Uh, former pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about the harmony of this passage. And he lets us know that Jesus is in line with the Old Testament or that the Old Testament is harmonizing with him. We see this story and we begin to, to hear this tale of Jesus and who he is and how to make the law complete. And we begin to look at what he means by that. The Old Testament is full of prophecies. And there are two types of prophecy in the Bible. There's the idea of foretelling, which we see on uh, in television syndication that don't always make sense. And then there's the other idea called foretelling. And what foretelling is, is where God chooses to speak through a prophet... To, to let you know this is the word of the Lord. But in the foretelling, in the actual scriptures, what we find is they're always taking us to Jesus. Always trying to bring us to a place where we understand that Jesus is the completion. So I've got kids in the room and I want you to help me with this. Because we've got some prophecies about various things that we're going to see in scripture. So we've got prophecies about Christmas. And if you're familiar with Christmas, could you raise your hand? If you're not familiar with Christmas, let me tell you about my Jesus. And if you are in the room and you know Easter, could you raise your hand? We know why we do Easter. Okay, so my kids in the room are going to help me. Here's what we have. I'm going to read through some of the various prophecies of Jesus. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to let the kids tell us if this is a Christmas prophecy or is it an Easter prophecy. So help me out. Uh, Jesus would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7. Right, let's practice. This is where you say Christmas. This is the participatory part of our program. Jesus would be born of a virgin. All right, adults help them out if they don't know. In Bethlehem. All right, so Isaiah 7, Micah chapter 5. He would be born an heir to King David's throne. 2 Samuel 7. Everyone? Christmas. So we hear that. We know that we know Christmas stories. He would then be crucified by criminals as a sin sacrifice. Crucified by criminals as a sin sacrifice. He would come back to life from death and ascend to heaven. These are just a few of the prophecies of Jesus. Jesus is saying that everything that you've heard is going to find its completion in me. So it's very much like the, the anticipation that takes place in your lives before Christmas. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? You've made a list. You have an understanding as to what's on that list. What am I going to get? But when Christmas gets there, that anticipation it is fulfilled. And Jesus is saying here, I'm the complete fulfillment of everything you guys have been waiting for. 
Here's some other things that we see. The Bible is about Jesus and he's a fulfillment in all these ways. He fulfills the moral law, all the behavior laws by his obedience. The prophecies by the, his specifics, by the specifics of his death. The sacrificial system he fulfills by his once and for all atonement. Romans chapter 10 verse 4, if you're a note taker, we would write down this. That Jesus has told us that he is the end of all of the law. He's the completion of it. Jesus says in verse 18, For truly, that word in the Bible is a really important one. I don't want us to ever miss how important it is. It's actually the word we use for amen. If you've ever said amen, say amen. amen. For truly, amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. The actual word, when you take it to its lowest form Jesus is saying this is the way it is this is the way it is all that you've seen in the Old Testament all that you've read and all that you've heard those things are going to be completed in me Nothing will pass. Not a dot, not an iota. Or if you're a letter writer, and I know some of us are millennials and some of us aren't. But if you are still the type of person who writes on paper, kids' paper is this stuff that we used to use. And we would take... So, it's, it's basically Jesus saying, every T will be crossed, every I will be dotted. This is the way it is. I'm the fulfillment of all these things. Jesus is saying he's the promise. Jesus is saying that all that the Old Testament tells us about sacrifice and how every one of us should have to deal with our own sins. He's going to do something so that we can take credit for what he's done. There's a photographer named Richard Prince. He was a pretty famous photographer in the 1970s for pictures that he would take. And recently he's been in a, a battle, a lawsuit, because he has been selling pictures at a photo gallery of pictures that other people have taken. He logged into what's called Instagram. And he scrolled through the things that you put on there for free for the world to see. And he would screenshot them. And he would blow them up with comments, with hearts, with everything. And he sold some of these pictures for up to $100,000. Pictures of your kid picking their nose. It was him taking credit for someone else's work. The story of Jesus is that we get full credit for what he's done. We call Good Friday good because there has been an act on behalf that Jesus has taken in that he took the sins of every one of us upon himself and made it possible for us to walk freely. We were given credit as action. This is the way it is until heaven, until earth pass away. Not an iota, not a dot, not an uncrossed T, not an undotted I will pass away until all is accomplished. Look, the Bible continues to be an authority for us 
But in the coming of Jesus, the Bible becomes an authority because it's defined by who has completed it. Martin Luther, theologian, reformer from uh, the 1500s. The law is an usher to lead the way to grace. So you see that Jesus here in this passage, that he is in complete harmony with all of the Old Testament, or the Old Testament is in harmony with him. It walks alongside with the melody that is Jesus. It, it lines itself up with him so that it makes sense. But then we begin to look at those who are religious and super religious and super duper religious and what we find with these religious people is that they are out of harmony with Jesus. Jesus is the driving force for all that, that is and all that God has provided for us as God come down to meet with us. The Pharisees don't line up with him. Verse 19, therefore, or as a result of, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying to those who are listening, and for those of you who have not been with us, we're the third week of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has this crowd of people that have surrounded him. And in this crowd of people who are listening to him, you have some who are disciples. And Jesus called the disciples to him, but he's also got this full crowd that's there that want to hear everything that he says because they are the people who look across the interstate when there's a wreck because they want to see something spectacular. They're the people who stop to see things that are captivating. And they have found Jesus to be captivating in that they are watching him. And Jesus teaches his disciples knowing that these people will overhear him. And as he teaches... As he preaches and as Jesus does what only Jesus can do, you begin to see that they're hearing him say something they've never heard before. What would that be? The Pharisees were the rule keepers. They were the people who behaved a certain way. And if you behaved a different way, they didn't love the way you behaved. They would let you know that you were unacceptable that they would actually be the people who made sure that their behavior was, at least externally, the best behavior. When it came to giving, they would, give a, they would actually give a tithe. A tithe is a, a small portion of, their, of what they had. They would tithe on their spices. So they would look at their, their pouch of oregano... And they would say, one-tenth of this goes to the church because Jared needs it. <laughs> they would tithe on everything. They were making sure that they kept every law that could be kept. And Jesus says, if your righteousness, your behavior in mind, does not exceed that of the Pharisees, then you're in trouble. Wait a second. You just told me they gave on their tithes. I barely remember to write my check to the church. You just told me that their behavior was better than my behavior would ever be. How could my behavior exceed theirs? Everything had become about the action of their behavior. And it had nothing to do with a respect for whom they behave for. 
So, I just moved here a few weeks ago, and you have some things that are familiar to me just with different names. Where I grew up, or in Chattanooga, uh, this craze of frozen yogurt has uh, kind of taken over, and I've actually noticed that you've got a frozen yogurt place here. The pl and it's called Cherry Berry, am I right? Can I get, all right, so we know what that is. So the place that we would go when we decided to get stuff that wasn't as good as ice cream. Let's <laughs> be honest, people, it's on it. Let's, let's be true. When we did not want to get a treat as delicious as ice cream, we would go to a place called Minchie's. And, and Minchie's was a frozen yogurt place that had the various flavors. And they had the one flavor here, and they had another flavor here, and they had a flavor that swirled the two in the middle. And sometimes I would say to myself, those flavors don't go together, but that's not for me to decide. I don't own this place. And you would go and you would get the toppings. Now, kids, help me out. What toppings do you put on your frozen yogurt? Who can tell me? <laughs> All of them. I mean, kids, they do make a mess in these places. <laughs> Let's put some gummy worms. What about a Snickers bar? How about gravels? Everything we can find. So we're at Minchie's one day, and when I walk in the door, I notice that there is this sign up. The weight of the day is 11.4 ounces. If your mix weighs this much, it's free. What they don't tell you is that if it weighs 11.3 or 11.5, it's $62.12. <laughs> so all day long, the Minchies people are watching as person, person after person is attempting to measure their frozen yogurt perfectly. And no one can do it. The Pharisees stood in front of all of Israel. And they said, you have to measure up. 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 And no one could do it. Jesus, in his completion of the law, intercedes. Because he's the only one who can. Look, I, I, I know how rooms like this work. And I know how we like to behave and make sure that our behavior is great. And make sure that we don't say certain words around certain people or act certain ways in front of others. We want to make sure that every I in our lives looks dotted and every T looks crossed. Every dot and iota is filled. But this scripture says that's not your job. It's the person of Jesus who makes this possible. And the reason this is possible for us and the reason this is rewarding for us and the reason this is a hope for us is not simply because of his death but that on the other side of the coin that is his death we celebrate resurrection. So for every one of us who's trying to do better and do better and act better and be smarter and all of these things I just want to encourage you to stop. Because our hope is built in nothing less 
than the shed blood of Jesus and his righteousness. And our eternity is something that we can live in light of because he has defeated death in full. Here's what I'm going to do for us today. I just invite you just to bow your heads. And... If you're here and, and you... Maybe you've been in church your entire life. For whatever reason, your understanding of church means that you do better and do better and act better and, and all of those things. That's not your hope. Your hope is that, in, that Jesus has paid in full. And that we can literally get credit for that because of his resurrection. If you're here and for the first time you would say, I want, I want to trust Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus because he has given his life for me and he stands alive to declare that. You were handed a connect card. We would love for you just to check off a box that says something like, I, I want to trust Jesus. You turn that into us and we're going to follow up with you. We're not going to chase you down or make you feel guilty or whatever. We just want to make sure that you know that our existence as a church is to help believers grow. And if you're a new believer, we want to be part of your growth. Secondly, if you're here and you're a believer and you just look at this and you hear this and you look at your own life and you just say to yourself, I need to stop trying to measure up. I want you to know you're not alone. That's every one of us. We have, this we have this natural bend to try to behave for God when his unnatural work or his supernatural work on the cross. I said, only my behavior makes you, makes you acceptable. Not a dot, not an iota, but Jesus says, I've come to complete it in full. The story of Jesus is a full one, a rich one, a transformative one. And my prayer for those of us who are part of this church or believers and are part of the church as a whole will be that we would live in light of the resurrection. Jesus, we trust you today. We're going to sing to you. Feel free to listen to the words of the song as you sit there. Join with us if you feel led. Jesus, we trust you. We trust what you're doing. And we believe that you're going to make much of yourself in this area through believers unifying around the truth that you are our hope and you have declared that in your resurrection. Your death in our place, your life that we can live. We ask this in your name, Jesus.